Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. So as we have been continuing the series of sermons on prayer, this morning I want to talk about a man of God who prayed in the Old Testament. He was just not an ordinary man, he was a king. His name is Jehoshaphat. This morning we are just going to spend some time understanding how he prayed and what really that prayer of Jehoshaphat made or brought in his life. You know, before we go further, we all need to know who is Jehoshaphat. You know, the name looks very fancy. Some of us may, you know, even struggle to, you know, pronounce that name. Even I had that struggle. I need to go to Google and find out, you know, how can I pronounce Jehoshaphat? And then eventually he got that. You know, it may be difficult, but, but you know, he is a mighty man of God. He's a mighty man of God. You know, if you remember, I just want you to you know, want to take you back to the kingdom of Israel. At the time of Solomon, you know, the kingdom got divided into two. The kingdom was taken by one of his sons by name Rehoboam and another one of his officials by name Jeroboam and they took each kingdom. So the kingdom of Israel got divided into the kingdom of Judah and the southern kingdom and the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom. Only two tribes decided or determined to stay with the kingdom of Judah. Any of you remember? Obviously, kingdom, tribe of Judah. And there is one more tribe. Exactly. Great. So, tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Judah and tribe of Benjamin, they decided to stick on to the kingdom of Judah. And kingdom of Judah started coming up. And in the northern side, we see kingdom of Israel coming up. And the kingdom of Judah, Jerusalem being the capital of kingdom of Judah, and Samaria being the capital of kingdom of Israel. You know, there are many kings started ruling the kingdom of Judah. And there was a third king, he was ruling the kingdom of Judah. His name is Asa. You know, Asa, the king who ruled the kingdom of Judah, in a godly way, most of the time. In fact, he ruled the kingdom of Judah 41 long years. Can you imagine one king ruling one kingdom for such a long period? I'm sure, you know, he might be a really great king. That's the reason he could continue for 41 long, long years. And after Asa, his son Jehoshaphat came into power. So he became the fourth king of the kingdom of Judah. And he reigned over the kingdom of Judah for 25 long years. Not bad. 41 years his father and now Jehoshaphat ruling the kingdom of Judah for 25 long years. You know, in an overall sense, kingdom of Judah was doing very well during the time of King Jehoshaphat. You know, he was ruling the kingdom in a godly way because he removed like his forefathers. He removed all the pagan altars. He removed, he destroyed all the high places and he brought down every ungodly thing that he saw in that nation. And you know, he did a couple of things. They are very precious. You know, he also made religious education a must in his kingdom. In fact, he sent ministers of God, you know, to all the cities and they can go there and preach the word of God. You know, he was a mighty king. He established Bible studies in every part of the nation as, you know, he wanted to bring the word of God to the people, those who were living at that point of time. He also appointed judges. You know, why judges are needed? 
judges are needed because they need to judge righteously. So he established righteous judge across this nation so that, you know, they may judge the nation in just. And, you know, the kingdom was flourishing. He gained many military victories during his reign. There are many nations, they came against the, king, the kingdom of Judah at the time of the rulership of uh, King Jehoshaphat. And during that time, you know, every time when somebody came against them, Jehoshaphat took victory among everybody. Jehoshaphat was a man of God. I just want all of you to say Jehoshaphat with me. Can you say that? Jehoshaphat. And this morning we are talking about a king who ruled the nation of Judah in a very godly way. But you know, as it happens, you know, I, I remember you know, a couple of weeks back we talked about King Hezekiah. Everything was going all right, well. And at the end of his life, when he was about to die, he made a mistake. And in the same way, in the life of Jehoshaphat, you know, he made an ungodly alliance with a king by name Ahab. You know, you can imagine, uh, most of you know the name Ahab. Ahab was the wicked king, the most wicked king on the face of this earth. You know, Ahab, he made an alliance with Ahab, with an ungodly man, by allowing his son, Jehoram, to marry, marry Ahab's daughter, Athaliah. Jehoshaphat made his son, Jehoram, to marry Ahab's daughter, Athaliah. You know, that was not God. That was certainly not God. He decided to do it by his own decision. He wanted to do it because he wanted, to, he wanted that to happen in that way. Because he looked at the northern kingdom and he saw Ahab as, as flourishing, but he wanted to get in touch with him and he went into that ungodly alliance and he compromised. And not only that, Ahab's son, Agaziah, was a shipbuilder. And Hezekiah, sorry, Jehoshaphat went to Hagab's son Hezekiah and asked him, can you partner with me? I want to build a ship with you. And they built many ships. That ships came out of that ungodly alliance with Ahab's son. And you know what happened? Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 20, God destroyed all the ship. God destroyed all the ship. You know, we are talking about a man of God, a king by name Jehoshaphat, who was very godly, ruled the nation 24 long years in a godly way. And eventually he made an ungodly alliance with somebody who is not godly. And eventually we see God's destruction and wrath of God coming upon his life. We are reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I just want to highlight before we you know, really go into it, I want to highlight two scriptures from here. I just want to you know, let you know the condition of Judah before what Jehoshaphat was about to do. Let's read that in verse 2. Verse 2 says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan, Tamar, which is also known as Engedi. You know, someone came and told Hezekiah, a great multitude is coming against you. A great multitude is coming against Hezekiah. Sorry, Jehoshaphat. A great army is coming against Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, not like any other time, this time he was so scared. 
He was so afraid because that was just a multitudes of people, multitudes of army coming against this man of God. You know, that was the condition before he prayed. But then he did a good thing of praying to God. You know, after he prayed, I just want to take your attention to verse 30. And verse 30 says, Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around you know, I just want you to understand, before he prayed, you know, he was such a great fear. He was in such a great fear of multitudes of army coming against him. But now he made the prayer and after he made the prayer, scripture says his kingdom was so quiet. His kingdom was so quiet and there was no war, peace everywhere. You know, what brought this change? This morning again, we are talking about prayer. The importance of prayer. What brought this change in the life of Jehoshaphat and also in the, in the kingdom of Judah? What brought this change? What brought this change? Prayer. Prayer. Can you just repeat after me? Prayer. Prayer. Prayer brought the change in the kingdom of Judah as Jehoshaphat was praying. You know, prayer brought him victory over his enemies. Prayer brought the victory over his enemy. You know what? Prayer can do amazing things in our lives. How many of us believe in prayer? All of us? Prayer can do great things in our lives. You know, it all depends how much we believe in God, how much we are allowing us to surrender at the feet of God, and depends what we ask for. And God is able to answer us. You know, this secret is not known to everybody. You know, that's the reason most of the time we don't understand the power of prayer. Because the secret is not known to everybody. You know, sometimes we get into a mode of praying for a sick and the sick may die. And we decide to say that, you know, God is not able to heal that because he died anyway. Right? You know, God is able to heal somebody. God is able to stop somebody from dying prematurely. You know, if the time, appointed time has come for somebody, no matter how much you pray, he's going to die or she's going to die. But you know, God is able to stop all the premature death that you and I encounter every day. How many of us know that uh, there is an accident that is about to come on our way, but God prevented? We don't know it because we have not got into that accident. God prevented it. Even before it happens, what does it? Prayer. Who is praying for you? Maybe your mother is praying for you. Maybe your sister is praying for you. Maybe your pastor is praying for you. Somebody is praying for you. You know, a couple of weeks I told you, who are those four men carrying you? Who are those four men carrying you in your difficult time? If you do not have that four men praying for you, four women praying for you, you are in trouble. We are in trouble. And this morning we are talking about how much prayer can do as what it did in the life of Jehoshaphat. Let's take it further. You know, Jehoshaphat's victory did not come just like that. It came because he applied prayer in his situation. There, were, there are five different keys of victory. I just want to, you know, take you through the, those scriptures very quickly. Let's read from verse 3. Let's read verse 3. The moment he heard... A mighty army is coming against Jehoshaphat. You know, this is what he did, number one. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judea. All Judah. Jehoshaphat, he was so afraid. And out of his fear, this is what he did. 
he set himself to seek the Lord in prayer and he declared fast throughout all Judah. You know, that's what Jehoshaphat did. He knew very well where to go in times of difficulty. He knew very well what exactly can help him. Let's continue to read. So Judah gathered together to ask him, ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. You know, every word here is important. Judah came together to ask for help. And from all the cities, they came together to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, this is what is his prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? He was just questioning God. Are you such a God? Are you not such a great God? Verse 8, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying if disaster comes upon us sword judgment pestilence or famine we will stand before this temple and in your presence for your name is in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and now here are the people of ammon moab and mount seir whom you would not let israel invade when they come out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and did not destroy them here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit you know that was such a detailed prayer of Jehoshaphat the number one key that Jehoshaphat used was to pray number two he admitted his inability Number three, he set his focus on Lord God. Number four, he positioned himself in the right place. Number five, he sang songs and praises. Now, I'm just going to take you through quickly. Let's get down to number one, key, prayer. As we read from verses 3 to 11. You know, they made prayer as number one priority. Now, I just want you to listen to this morning. The question is, is prayer our number one priority? You know, we all get up in the morning. We get quickly get onto a mode of praying. We just pray. And after that, do we really forget God during the day, throughout the day? If prayer is our number one priority, probably we just want to keep prayer. We just want to, you know, keep prayer from the bottom of our heart. Every time. Whenever we drive, whenever, even when we work, whatever we do, that prayer burns. You know, have you seen when you have a campfire, probably, after everything is done, night to midnight, you all go to bed. But have you seen that campfire, that coal, still burns? Next day morning, you come and see, you see still fire in that. You know, that's how God expects our lives to be. You get up in the morning and pray, but the, the, the prayer has to, you know, continually set flames within you. Prayer becomes number one priority. For this man of God, when troubles were on his way, he did not go to anyone else, but instead he came to God and he cried out to God, Lord. He started seeking God. 
prayer was his priority and look at the way they prayed the scripture says in verse 4 the so Judah gathered together people from all cities they gathered together the moment the king announced prayer we see everybody coming from different places just for one reason why to seek God you know to seek God hallelujah can you just say this after me prayer is to seek God prayer is to seek God and this morning I believe God is telling us church this is time that we need to seek God we need to seek God everyone was gathered there and you know what Jehoshaphat he stood in the middle Jehoshaphat was willing to lead we need leadership to lead somebody in prayer we need people men and women of God coming and giving hands to the work of God and telling I will take it further I will do it for the sake of God no matter how much it takes I'm willing to do it whether I sleep or not whether I travel or not whether I work or not I will do it for the Lord you know Jehoshaphat was standing in the middle and he was leading them in prayer and it was a powerful prayer verses 6 and 7 as we read you know he was just praying to God reminding God how mighty God was you know that's how we need to pray that's how God wants us to pray when we pray God wants us to think about the great things that God has done the mighty things that God has done God wants us to you know remember those things in our life and he was just praying telling God one after another are you not our God are you not the God who protected us are you not the God who saved us you know he was just declaring the power of God and when it comes to verse 9 he was they were praying in the temple of God you know there is something significant about praying in the in the temple of God that is similar to whenever our, all of us gathered together when we pray our Heavenly Father's answers that prayer because that's where we see the presence of God you know it is one thing to pray our personal prayer but it is another thing to pray as a church as a group joining together in prayer and here we see when disaster comes verse 9 I won't read that again if disaster comes upon us sword judgment and pestilence or famine they come upon us we will stand before this temple and in your presence because your name is here in this temple and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save you know some of us may be going through difficult times what we need to do just call the church stand together in prayer and God is the God who answers our prayer you know that's how miracles happen that's how miracles happen in the Old Testament and that's how miracles happen even today you know God is calling the church for a time of prayer Jehoshaphat prayed together and you know what he was praying with the right understanding he was praying a right understanding he realized the attack is coming against him he knew very well that the army is very mighty but he is standing in the presence seeking God because he also now knows that it's not just an ordinary attack but there is a spiritual warfare there is a spiritual attack on his kingdom the moment he realized that there is a spiritual warfare he set his mind to pray you know at times when we go through difficulties 
It is not just the physical infirmity or sickness that we go through. It is not just a struggle that we have in our family between our husband and wife. It is not just the children are walking away from God. It's not just that. But there is something behind it. That's what we name it as spiritual warfare. The moment you realize that something else is behind it, it is time to gather the temple of God, gather the church and come together in the temple of God and seek his face. That's the first thing he did. Number two key, Jehoshaphat used to gain that victory. We read that in verse 12. He says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Two things Jehoshaphat is telling. Such a mighty man, such a warrior, such a mighty king. Now he's saying, Lord, we do not have power. Lord, we do not know what to do. The second key Jehoshaphat used was admission. He was just admitting himself. He was just accepting his inability and asking God's help there. He was just admitting his inadequacy. He finds that the army is very mighty and he knows that there is a spiritual threat to his kingdom. And now he realizes that he is powerless. The second key that God wants you and me to use is admitting ourselves before God. Admitting ourselves before God. You know, God cannot help the arrogant. God cannot help some, someone who is self-sufficient. But God can help someone who feels our inability. You know, we are all unable to do certain things in many different ways. None of us are able in every situation. But you know what God expects? God expects us to admit our inability. Some of us may be able to pray well, but some of us are not able to pray. That doesn't mean that God rejects us, but God expects us to admit our ability, inability. Some of us are you know, able to have a sustained, continuous spiritual life. Some of us fall down and rise. Fall down and rise. We are not able to maintain a constant spiritual walk with the Lord. The Lord knows it. All that God expects is God expects us to admit it, Lord. Tell him, Lord, I am unable to do it, Lord, by my strength. And the scripture says in James 4, 6, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Even in the, in the, the mountain on this uh, sermon on the mount, Jesus spoke about, you know, being poor in spirit. He said, those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He talked about those who are meek. Then he said, they will inherit the earth. Those who are meek in spirit. You know, all that God is expecting in our lives is to have just that gentle spirit that surrenders to the voice of God. You know, I appreciate old men and women of God who are aged. The moment you say prayer, they just lift up their hands and they don't want to know what is going on around them. They are just in the time of prayer. You know, that's the spirit beyond I need. The moment we say prayer and worship, just lift up our hands and just surrender, 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 surrender. The key for miracles is surrender. Most of the time we don't surrender, I don't surrender, and miracles don't happen. But the more we surrender, the more we realize our inability, and God shows right there to deliver us. Jehoshaphat, he knew this fact. 
and he was experiencing and he is applying that key there right now by admitting himself his inability third key that Jehoshaphat is using here to gain victory is focus we read that in verse 12 again so he admitted his inabilities and he said we know what we do not know what to do and he said but our eyes are upon you our eyes are upon Jesus. I just want you to repeat after me. Our eyes are upon Jesus. Our eyes are upon Jesus. You know, that's the third key Jehoshaphat used there. The moment he realized his inability, he set his eyes upon the Lord. You know, victory always requires us to become God-focused. Victory always requires us to become God-focused. If we ask him anything out of our self-ambition, our self-desire, in order to you know, exalt our life, in order, for, in order to, you know, just you don't want to, want to do something better than somebody else, God may give, but then that will not, not be a blessing. Sometimes we don't even get it. But when we do, when we, God becomes focused, when we keep God as this, at the center, God gives us the victory. You know, God to be kept at center, at the center in everything we do. You know, there's an amazing teaching here. You know, most of the time we try to handle God the way we do other things, the way we do other things. I just want you to think about for a moment. Most of the time we handle God the way we handle other things. You know, our routine things, the way we come to church, the way we do things, it becomes a routine as we do other things we do. We go to work and we meet somebody and we discuss you know, certain things. We spend some time maybe in, in, uh, for coffee. We spend some time maybe in the internet. And we give some time to God. You know, God becomes one among the many things we do in our lives. Because life is so busy and we are preoccupied with so many things. And if we try to handle God the way we handle other things in our lives, you know, we fail. We fail. God wants us to keep Him at the center. Of everything we do you know it's not easy but at times it becomes difficult it becomes challenging because you know some of the things that we do because God has nothing to do with those things then question is how do we keep God at the middle God at the center you know when you want to become a child of God when we want to live a child of God anything that we do we just make sure there is an element in everything that we do that where God is honored by our deeds may it be our education May it be our profession, may it be our marriage, may it be our family, whatever it may be. Just make sure there is an element that God is honored in everything that we do. Jehoshaphat was having a life that was God-centered. And his focus turned to God perfectly, completely. He was not caring about the mighty army coming against him, but his focus was on God. You know, when you think about Peter, as he was walking on the water, as long as his eyes were set upon Jesus, nothing happened. The moment he took his eyes away from Jesus, he drowned into the waters. Exactly the same thing happens to our lives. God wants us to keep Jesus as the focus. I do not know what it means to you, but this morning that's what I want to tell you. Just keep Jesus at the center. Handle Jesus in a different way. Handle godly things in a different way. Try to give priority to the work of God. Try to give the honor to work of God. You know, when we come together in the presence of God, just honor Him. Just honor Him 
in reverence in the right attitude when we honor god becomes the focus god becomes the center in our lives and that's where we find victory i just want you to know quickly turn to hebrews chapter 12 the writer of hebrews says very beautifully he says in hebrews chapter 12 was 1 uh, and 2 i can read that for you just listen to me hebrews 12 1 therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us and verse 2 says looking unto jesus some of the version says fixing our eyes on jesus all these things will happen we will be never able to come out of all these things it will be all part of our life but then keep your eyes fixed on jesus let's come back to second chronicles chapter 20 Here we read from verses 13 through 17. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Now the fight is about to start. Verse 14. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said listen all of you judah and you inhabitants of jerusalem and you king jehoshaphat thus says the lord to you do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but god's tomorrow go down against them they will surely come up by the ascent of ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of jeruel verse 17 you will not need to fight in this battle position yourselves stand still and see the salvation of the lord who is with you o judah and jerusalem do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the lord is with you for the lord is with you number 4 key for the success there is the position god is asking the children of israel along children of judah along with jehoshaphat to go and position themselves for the battle the number four key jehoshaphat using there is positioning you know i just i'm sure that all of you have watched someone who is diving from the springboard right someone who is setting his you know just getting ready for a race for a running race we all would have watched how they position themselves you know it is very precise it all matters where they keep their feet it all matters you know how much pressure they get they give everything matters there every simple minute detail matters there positioning ourselves is very very important positioning ourselves is very very important you know god has positioned each and every one of us in this city God has positioned us maybe in the church maybe God has positioned us with the employer that we are working with God has brought us to this nation with a purpose and God is asking us to position ourselves why this morning this word is coming to you because 
Maybe you know our heart at times is not set on what God wants us to do. We always you know try to compare something else. We also always try to think about something else. Maybe which is ahead of us. Maybe which is not for us. And we always think about it. But this morning God is telling you it is important that you need to go and position yourself in the place where God wants you to be. God wants you to be you to position in your spiritual life. You know, at times we have spiritual aspiration. We want to grow in our spiritual life. We want to do many great things. But God is calling you maybe for prayer. Maybe for a prayer ministry. Just stick on to it. God is asking you to get out as a prophet to the nation. Just stick on to it. God is asking you to preach the word. Just stick on to it. You know the trouble comes when a prophet gets on to a healing ministry. And when the healer comes and tries to prophesy. You know that's where we get trouble. And if you take it to the current situation of church. God has given us responsibility and position. And God wants us to hold on to that position. And deliver our best. To do our best for the Lord. Because the position that we are in today, it is going to launch us into the future. There's someone who is standing at the verge of the springboard. It's very critical that he or she stands there in the right way, in the right position, because that is going to decide how she or he is going to plunge into the water. The position is very, very critical. And you know what? The beauty about this position, if we are positioned in the right place, as we read from verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, the message here is, if you and I are positioned in the right place where God wants us to be positioned, zero effort. Absolutely zero effort. Things will happen for us. If we are standing in the right place, all that we need to do is just stand still. Because you are called by God to be in the right spot, to be in the right time as this. Things will happen. That's the lesson God is teaching Jehoshaphat. Just go and position yourself in the battle. You don't need to do anything. God will do it for us. You know, most of the time we struggle, we struggle because we do not know how to align ourselves and position ourselves in the right place where God wants to be. And this morning God is teaching us that it is time that we need to position ourselves. It may be God is asking you to stay your foot. Put your foot and stay in this church to build this ministry. Just do it. If God is asking you to go out and preach somebody, share somebody, just do it. God is asking you to move another nation. Just listen to the will of God. Just do it. Whatever God, wherever God wants you to be positioned, just if you do that, you don't need to really struggle over it. God will do it for you. Key number five. Verses 18 through 22. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord of your Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with his people, with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. 
and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying praise the lord for his mercy endures forever verse 22 now when they began to sing and to praise the lord set ambush against the people of ammon moab and mount seir who had come against judah and they were defeated you know the number five key jehoshaphat used was song and praise song and praise you know it's very beautifully said there you know i believe there are many people they were singing on the day in the army as the scripture says as we read but in verse 21 he says and when he had consulted with the people he appointed those who should sing to the lord you know always somebody who sings to the lord in a setup like a church is appointed even though everyone sings but there is somebody who is singing somebody who is doing the work of god you know they are appointed even though man not man but god appointed god has appointed them that's the reason you know many people come and go they are not able to do it only god appointed people are able to stand as we sing and lead us in singing and praises I do not understand at times this is a ministry that is appointed by God this is not given to everybody it is a ministry that is honored by God it is a ministry when they start ministering we'll see things happening Jehoshaphat set appointed worship leaders and worshipers in front of this army in fact they were leading the army when they began to sing God sent ambush they started fighting among themselves that multitude they started fighting among themselves and they killed each other and the whole mighty army completely destroyed how it happened started with the prayer and now they are worshiping now they are praising god you know that's where miracles take place you know god cannot be in a place where there is no worship God cannot reside in a place where there is no worship when people of God are worshiping. I'm not talking about the kind of music we play. I'm not talking about the kind of songs we sing. I'm talking about the kind of devotion, the kind of reverence, the kind of honor we have when we do such things. God is honored. Think about as people are coming around the city of the, the fort of Jericho, as they were praying, as they were worshiping, the fort came down. You know, in our lives, in our church, when everyone is giving honor to God in worship, when every one of us are doing that worship, not to as a performance, but bringing honor to God, things happen in our lives. Scripture is so true. What is the result of Jehoshaphat's prayer? Just quickly close it. Right here. Verse 22. The enemies rose against each other and they killed each other. And if you go down further, verse 26 says, Judah assembled in the valley of Baraka and blessed the Lord. Baraka means blessing. Verse 27 says, they all returned to Jerusalem with joy, great joy. Fear of the Lord came upon that nation. And verse 30 says, Jehoshaphat's remaining days were quiet and God gave them rest. All that Jehoshaphat did was he kept prayer as his number one priority. A prayer of admitting his self-inabilities. A prayer of admitting our inadequacies. Prayer that sets Jesus at the focus. Prayer that takes us to a position where God wants us to be. 
And that position is of no effort. Absolutely, things are done there. And prayer is an answer when worshippers, they raise their voices and worship God. And this morning, it may be in our personal struggle. It may be as a church, as a family, as a nation. Whatever struggles we may have, just apply what Jehoshaphat is teaching us this morning. Shall we close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipf.org. God bless you.